You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What do you know in the flesh, back together in the same room, once again, inside the hallowed grounds of Highmark Stadium. It still feels weird to say Highmark Stadium. Bill's Mafia. It is Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. And, you know, listen, you guys are used to the, the drill by now. Tops loves local. Tops is proud to partner with over 200 local growers to supply Tops with their freshest homegrown fruits and vegetables produced and picked this morning can be on your table tonight. Ryan Talbot was in the house today. It's good to see you. We got to watch practice today. It was in the stadium. It was a scrimmage. They went at it. The offense was absolutely on fire. Oh, no. We have no audio, it looks like. We might have to restart this. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Let's see it here. Let me see if I can fix this here. Can you hear us now? Oh, he said, never mind. Matthew Harmon was pulling the fast one on us. I'm like, he had us muted. You're like the only person that's <laughs> that's saying this, man. Everybody else is like kind of interacting. So okay, we're we're all set. We're all good. We can hear you. Good. We got a lot to get into. This offense looked good today, Ryan. Oh, the offense looked unbelievable. And, and, you know, it's funny because usually in training camp at this point, the defense is ahead of the game. The Bills spoke a little bit on that today. They said, you know, uh, in, in the post-game, uh, post-practice, I should say, pressers, we heard from Dawson Knox, we heard from John Feliciano. Uh, and they kind of talked about the fact that, hey, we don't have to learn a playbook. We've been in the system for a few years now. And that was really beneficial to them in terms of why they're moving so fast. And you're right. The offense certainly won the day today. Josh Allen signed. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, the historic uh, contract extension. And, you know, I wrote in the story that you could feel the energy. It almost felt like a party. I tweeted out a video. I don't know if you saw it on social media. I was driving. I don't recommend actually doing this while you're driving, but taking a video Jersey, while you're driving. Yes. Very dangerous. But there was a guy with just literally driving down the throughway with a Josh Allen jersey in his arm, hanging it out the uh, the window, just screaming to everybody that he could see. 
Um, so yeah, we're we're really excited. And Ed asks, how does Ryan get a media pass? Because <laughs> he is a member of the media, my friend. And so we had to get him in here. Uh, New York uh, Upstate.com and Syracuse.com beat reporter Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Uh, so let's get into Josh's day. You know, it's been more of the same with him. This is something that, you know, I think he's had one or two bad games. But this is a day where last time, last week, was one of his lesser practices of training camp in uh, in front of the stadium. There was 3,000 more fans in here today, 18,000 fans, and he just lit it up. You wrote about it. Oh, yeah. You know, I wrote one word next to his, the, my notes on his first series, surgical. The man was throwing it wherever he wanted to, finding guys wide open. He went four for four on his opening drive. Two passes to Stefan Diggs, who we'll talk a little bit about here in a minute. Uh, he found Gabriel Davis for one. He used his legs a little bit. You know, the first two drives of Josh Allen's day went for touchdowns. And uh, at one point, they pretty much had to stop one of the drives just because the Bills were moving the ball again. And they wanted to work on certain situations and they couldn't do it because Josh Allen and this offense were just moving the ball up and down the field uh, at, you know, at their own on. They, they, they couldn't be stopped, I guess, is the best way of putting it. So uh, the team literally had to put a stop to it. And, and real quick, I did see Harold in the comments. Harold, thank you for that photo today. That was unbelievable. Myself and Matt uh, really did end up loving that. So thank you for that. But, yeah, Josh Allen, unreal today. It's been so fun to be back out amongst fans. There, You know, most of training camp, there aren't fans allowed, but there's, like, some corporate um, partners or sponsor uh, or, you know, some type of corporate um, – uh, marketing deal that allows some fans into in an attendance. So I've seen a couple fans, you know, along the guardrail. I met our good buddy Jack, who uh, is so uh, supportive of our stuff on uh, social media. He always shares out the show. And so, yeah, it's been good to see you guys. I mean, if you see us out anywhere, like at the games, or um, we actually booked our flights, we'll both be in New Orleans uh, for uh, down on Bourbon Street, most likely <laughs> uh, uh, in a couple of months. Hey, pull us aside. Let's talk. I, we love catching up with you guys. And I was bummed that I wasn't able to get the picture, but yeah, that was, that was super awesome. Uh, Ryan showed it to me. It was, it was really great. The offense today. And I want to transition into something. Cause we talk so much about Josh Allen. It's, it's kind of like a moot point at this, at this stage. I mean, the guy comes out every day and he's been so good that I feel like we don't have to focus much on it. It's just an expectation. But what I really took in from today, Stefan Diggs, I think I counted five catches in my notes. I track every play. I try to keep as much, um, you know, track of, keep track of uh, the numbers as I can. Um, but the thing about Diggs, what he does, he commands so much attention, which we know, but it allows other guys to make plays. And so we saw today Gabriel Davis make a couple of really nice, nice catches. You know, a couple plays in the run game. Isaiah McKenzie have a good play. You have to be so zeroed in on what Stefan Diggs is doing you can't focus anywhere else because just when you do that, Stefan Diggs beats you. And on the Diggs front as well, Levi Wallace running with the first team. I mean, no change from last week. This guy, last week's uh, uh, Saturday practice. He is running with the first team. He is in the driver's seat to be that CB2. And I think that that's fine. Um, but I will say it's, it's some of the stuff that we talked about with Levi. You saw it on the field today. You know, he, he's still working on that off coverage and the, and the, the give and take that you have to have. And, the reaction time that you have to have to react when you're going up against a guy like Stefan Diggs. Now, in most situations, Tredavious White's going to get that assignment. But if you're Levi Wallace, you know, keep him in front of you. Try to get to the ball as soon as possible. That's what they like. So sometimes you see those short dink and dunk passes and you're like, oh, man, they're picking on Levi. 
but it really comes down to how is Levi reacting in the moment? Is he giving up yards after the catch? Because I think that's where that the bills and the coaching staff here would really, you know, you know, add up some demerits for him. If that starts to be a problem. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, to Dane Jackson's credit, he did have a pass breakup later in practice today, but Levi Wallace has been the more steady cornerback of the two. Speaking on digs really quick, you know, you said it really well. When he wants to get open, it doesn't matter how much focus the opposing players are putting on him. He just gets open. So right out of the bat, Josh Allen found him twice on that first drive. And and then when they were giving him that extra attention, you're right. It was Isaiah McKenzie. It was Gabriel Davis. And it was really impressive to see how well Josh Allen moved the ball today because Cole Beasley was not there. He, or he was there, but just not in pads. And Emmanuel Sanders was once again uh, held out of practice. So two of his top four receivers were not out there today on the field with him. And yet his opening two drives weren't for a touchdown. His third drive probably would have resulted in another touchdown had they not just kind of put a stop to it to kind of work on a, a punting situation because the Josh Allen simply wasn't letting them work on their punting at that point in time. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Everybody was standing on the sidelines like, what's going on? Why did they just punt? I think they just got to get to it because, you know, they're just <laughs> they're scoring so many points. We were talking, I think it was Thad Brown who does the uh, CBS pregame show with me, um, Josh Reed and the, and, and the guys. We were talking on the sidelines there, and he's like, man, how many um, practices or scrimmages are happening around the NFL today? and at teams training camps and how many uh, of the offenses are scoring like a touchdown or two touchdowns. And it's just like, it's like a touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. It's like, um, it's like you're at the casino and you see the, 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 the thing keeps spinning. It's like the scoreboard keeps spinning because they keep, they keep scoring. And you know, that's a good to see. Let's transition to another point. Cause I really want to dive in here. We're going to talk about um, the Micah Hyde interception. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll talk about Vernon Butler leaving practice today and what that could mean. Um, some injury updates. Emmanuel Sanders didn't practice again today. Forrest Lamp and Christian Wade. Uh, it was veteran rest day for Cole Beasley, which gave uh, an opportunity to Isaiah McKenzie to show off his stuff, which he did. Um, Starla Tulele and Daryl Williams also had veteran rest days. But with Daryl Williams out and Deion Dawkins still not back from COVID, that is a big opportunity for rookie tackles, Tommy Doyle and Spencer Brown. And listen, it wasn't all perfect. And I, if you go and read the observation story at the site right now, I hope you don't take away from it that everything was perfect. But I really wanted to focus in on the good things because I haven't seen a lot of good things from specifically Tommy Doyle, who I think has taken a little bit longer. He hasn't gotten as much time, you know, against the elite of the elite in this training camp. But today it was like throwing a young man sink or swim was definitely what happened out here today. Tommy Doyle ran out here with the first team. Uh, very first series and you know listen there were some some losses but there was two plays in particular that man I was I was really impressed with him one was against Effie Obata where I you know Obata kind of ate his lunch earlier in practice and he came back recovered and had a great rep for with him just completely stonewalling like Effie Obata stonewalling Obata because mm -hmm. of like the power factor like they're in the pads now they're able to really utilize all aspects of their games as rushers that really stood out to me that he not only did that, like the singular play, but responded from a loss, you know, that competitive mindset. I know that's going to play in their room. And that's, that's a really good building block. I think a week ago we were talking as we were going over all the things we wanted to talk about. And I'm like, man, it seems like a long shot for Tommy Doyle to make this roster. But I'll tell you right now, days like this, put him directly back in the mix. Uh, 
the the play of the day for any offensive lineman though Tommy Doyle against Gregory Rousseau fifth round pick versus the team's first round pick and it was just fundamentally you know how you draw it up mm-hmm. for Tommy t- Tommy Doyle he he took the size he took the the, the battle head on um dug in group tried to like do like a little like outside move or something but I almost feel like he, Tommy Doyle pivoted and just threw him to the turf. He had all the momentum in the world, really used his leverage in that spot. Big play for him. And then Spencer Brown, a big play against Mario Addison, the most seasoned pass rusher out here. It was almost like he engulfed him after losing. It was similar to the Doyle rep. He lost the, the battle early, recovered, and then just completely shut down Mario Addison's rush. Those are big-time moments for these young players. Yeah, you know, Mitch Moore said it last week. He said getting these young guys out there in these sink-or-swim situations can be a good thing. Now, mind you, he was talking about the regular season, not necessarily in a scrimmage. But when they came out today, Deion Dawkins still not out there, Darrell Williams, veteran rest day, and you have two rookies as as your bookends, as your offensive tackles, you think, boy, you know, maybe this offense is going to stall a little bit because of the pressure that they might see. It didn't stall. They held their own. They looked like they belonged. You mentioned it specifically how both of them held their own against veterans like F.A. Obata and Mario Addison. And Mario Addison flashed today. He had a sack. He, he did um, move Brown back a little bit on one play, but he, but he recovered. So it, it was encouraging to see how both of these young offensive tackles fared. Uh, and like you said, you know, a guy like Doyle, these are the, the days that he needs to say, I, I deserve a spot on this 53-man roster. Let me pull up the story real quick because I, I made it a point to Feliciano, veteran guy, been in this league a long time, has worked with a lot of young players, a leader in the room, what his impressions of Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle were uh, on a day where I thought both of them had some good moments. And he said, they're both two really good tackles. I mess with Brandon Bean a lot, and I told him he did a great job with those two guys. They had the right mindset, and I try to rattle Spencer as much as I can, uh, but he just smiles at me. I call him names and call him stupid. But he's really smart, and so and so is Tommy uh, Feliciano, always the jokester. Right now, they they just have to work on trusting themselves because they are uh, very smart. They do see what's happening before the play sometimes, but sometimes it's just taking the next step and trusting yourself and doing your technique off of what you see. And I think that's that's the key you have to remember about all these guys is that every single day is not only a chance for them to take what they learn. But take that that learning process to the next step and learn from the moments on the field. And listen, as we get here, I mean, you know, one interesting thing that we haven't talked a whole lot about, depending on, you know, we don't know what's going on with Deion Dawkins right now. He's gone. the The expectation is he returns. But what was the bout with COVID like? Is he able to get back his conditioning right away? I mean, we we're sitting here right now, a little over a month away from the opener. And so you think going in that you'll be all set, but you got three three season games. You don't know what that starting lineup's going to look like. You think that there's three big chances left for Tommy Doyle and Spencer Brown to to to, to get those important reps, in game reps that a lot of young players didn't get last year, and learn from those moments. That's great. But a second part of that is, man, if you do get to a situation where you need one of them to actually play. And that might not be week one, but whatever the case may be, are they ready? And that's still going to be a a pretty large looming question. Yeah. The, the, are they ready part is difficult to get a good grasp of how they would be if they were thrown into the fire, so to speak. 
I, I think you said it best. You know, they're going to lose some reps along the way here. It's what do they learn from those reps? What do they take away from it? Okay, he beat me on this inside move. I need to be on the lookout for that the next time. We're starting to see little flashes of that with both of these players. And, you know, if all goes well, Deion Dawkins will be back sooner rather than later. The conditioning will be fine. He'll be ready to go for week one. You still want to get those rookies tons of reps in the preseason. You want to keep your your veterans, your starters off the field as much as possible. Help Tommy Doyle, help Spencer Brown get some valuable reps against these, uh, against a lot of other players in the league that are fighting for roster spots. See how they hold up. See how this offense holds up. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to see Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs and company out there. So they're going to be protecting the Mitch Trubisky's and, and the Jake Fromm's and the Davis Webb's who, you know, they're, they're all valuable or could be valuable pieces to this team, don't get me wrong, as backups. But it, as long as you're not having those starters behind you, I think it's going to be really valuable for both of those guys to see significant reps this preseason. What else you want to talk about? You, special day, too, guys. Head over to the observations story at the site, Syracuse.com, New York Upstate. We both, we both tag-teamed it. We went after it. We got after it. What else you want to talk about? You know, let's talk a little bit about some uh, reserve wide receivers. Some guys that two guys that probably aren't going to have a path to this main roster, and that's Tanner Gentry and that's Duke Williams. Uh, the latter being a big time fan favorite. Both played very well today. Gentry finished with about a handful of receptions. He seemed like he was Jake Fromm's favorite target on the day, and he did a good job of getting open. Some of them were shorter routes, but he could turn it upfield. Some of the times he was in the middle of the field. He, he, was, he was being used all over the field, and he did a really good job today. Gentry obviously has that rapport with Josh Allen from their days at Wyoming. There could be a case to be made to keep him on that practice squad in the event that they suffer some injuries at wide receiver. Have someone that has that familiarity with Allen and someone that performed well at camp maybe then get elevated. So Tanner Gentry first and foremost stood out to me. And then Duke Williams, someone that we haven't really talked too much about, had two big plays today. He had a touchdown and one in uh, Mitch Trubisky's first drive, I believe it was, from about 11 yards out. He got open near the end zone and, and ran it in the rest of the way. And then late in practice, about a 50-plus yard reception from Duke Williams. One of, you know, again, a beloved fan favorite that uh, Bill's, friend, Bill's fans talk about all the time. I actually had someone uh, on Twitter this past week once again tag me and say, hey, do you think you can convert him to tight end? And it's just... You know, Duke Williams at this point in his career, you can't just magically flip a switch and say you're a tight end now and expect it to work. We saw Logan Thomas, for instance, in Buffalo and how long that conversion process takes to become a uh, a tight end in this league and become a, a good tight end at that. So it, it's not that easy. Duke Williams, if anything, he's going to be battling for that depth type of role here uh, in terms of on the practice squad, maybe claiming one of those last of the 16 spots. Can he do it? I don't know, because there's Isaiah Hodgins who could be there. There's Marquez Stevenson, someone that we can talk about here in a few minutes, and some other younger guys in the mix that they might value those spots for, but Williams definitely had a big day today. Mm -hmm. um, Tanner Gentry is interesting because I feel like there's not a lot of interest for him around the league before the Bills signed him uh, last year, and obviously the Josh Allen connection probably played into that. So I think to your point, it'd probably be pretty easy to get him on the practice squad. And he's a guy that, you know, he's looked good throughout training camp. Like I mentioned uh, in the write-up of the one day, he made that unbelievable catch in one-on-ones. Mm -hmm. And so he's a guy that the more that he kind of excels, the better off it's going to be for his chances to stick around even after the fact. Duke's Duke's funny because, man, like he, 
in a wide receiving room that's now stacked with like toolsy guys, like speedy guys, route running, just savants, and the quickness in guys like Beasley and um, uh, and McKenzie, and even Gabriel Davis in the way that he runs his routes, you kind of forget about Duke now because you know the, the the talent level is so much better in that room. But he's such a gamer, man. Like he gets out here, and when it's one on one, and he just wants to go out there and play backyard football, he's such a dangerous player. So I just think having him around is is such a a unique luxury for this team. Jacob Hollister hasn't been able to practice a whole heck of a lot the last week or so. Uh, he's been dealing with a back injury from, I think, day two of training camp. And so he got out there today. He was running sprints yesterday, didn't participate in teamwork. Uh, he was all go today, and it was the biggest splash play by a tight end all day long today. It was a, a, a throw over the middle, uh, and it was a good ball from Josh Allen, maybe a little bit off. J Jacob Hollister had to lay out, lay out for it. Uh, but there was good coverage. It was against this first-team defense. And Hollister goes out there and makes a play and at a position where it's going to be pivotal for guys, whether it be Sweeney or uh, Quentin Morris or Jacob Hollister, to show that they have some hands. Because right now, there's this concern about whether or not Dawson Knox has a hands issue. And we're seeing it pop up in training camp. And I don't want to overreact to it too much. Trust me, it was a bad drop the other day. And obviously he had that play yesterday where I thought he should have made the catch. But if you get into the season and there's some drop issues with Dawson Knox, Jacob Hollister starts to look a little bit more like uh, you know a guy that could probably play considerable amount of snaps in this offense. Yeah, I agree completely. Hollister could, could certainly start in this offense if Knox – uh, struggles with catches if he if he suffers an injury any, anything of the sort. Hollister obviously again just like Tanner Gentry has that experience with Josh Allen from their days at Wyoming, but he was a quality NFL tight end. Uh, he had really uh, quiet season I guess overall when you look at the stat line in Seattle. But go back to that game against Buffalo specifically last year. He was catching the ball, keeping the Seahawks in that game last season. He did a great job. Uh, every one of his catches in that matchup went for a first down. And I'm sure that when the Bills are looking at tight ends to add to this roster, someone to bring in for competition for tight end number two or even to compete for tight end number one, uh, I think that Hollister and his performance, the fact that he has that experience with Josh Allen, the fact that he, he checks a lot of the boxes in terms of the players that they like in terms of the culture, uh, he just made so much sense, and, and it was good to see him on the field today and, and also good to see him making, like you said, the splash play of the day at the tight end position. Somebody tweeted at me. I, I put out uh, uh, the, our story, and I, and I used the – I always do bullets, and I did one Allen unconscious because he was unconscious today. And somebody oh, tweeted no. and said, please don't ever say Allen <laughs> unconscious in the same sentence. I get it. Uh, no injury issues for Josh Allen today. Uh, which is a good thing. Let's go to the defensive line for a moment. And well, before we get to the defensive line, let me just tell you guys that, you know, you could spend more time enjoying everything that summer has to offer and less time worrying about getting to the store with tops, pickup and delivery shop for your uh, groceries online, choose pickup or delivery and tops will bring your groceries right to you. Visit topsmarkets.com to get started. Shout out to them, man. We got the numbers popping in here, Ryan. Everybody's excited to talk a little about bills, football, on this Saturday afternoon, uh, it's a beautiful day out today, and it was beautiful out there. Smash that like button. 
uh, helping support the pod. We're up over 3,000 uh, subscribers on our YouTube page. We're so pumped about that. And Matthew Harmon, just the tops today. My man, shout out. So hit that like button. Let's get as many people in here as possible. Um, do they have a burger bar? Ken Carter. Oh, <laughs> do comedian. they have a burger what bar? A Stick around to the end and we'll tell you all about it. Um, let's get into this defensive line today because I thought, I can't remember who tweeted it out, but I thought it was a really astute observation, correct observation, that even though this offense was really doing well today and they were cooking and they were you know moving the ball and they were scoring points, I did think the defensive line as a, as a whole was – was bringing it. I thought that they performed pretty well. I mentioned Effie Obata, who continues to look so strong. Um, no, I don't have the top thing memorized. Um, I still have it up on my screen. I will, sh- I will soon. But what's funny is I used to, in high school, I was, um, I was, uh, I wasn't an actor. I was in like the, the musicals and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you had to learn lines, right? Yeah. I sucked at that, man. I sucked <laughs> at learning the lines. Like I, I would get out there and I'd have to have things written on my hand or I'd have, um, you know, I try to have a card off to the side, like on the floor or whatever. I just could not remember lines. So stay tuned for that, I guess. But defensive line as a whole, I thought my biggest takeaway from today was Daryl Johnson was really good. I thought that he was – the energy was there. Like sometimes with him, like I think he reminds me a lot of Saran Neal. Like remember when Saran Neal finished his first year, came back for a second year and talked about – I had to grow up a lot. Like I, I came in the league, like thinking, you know, late day three pick, same as Daryl Johnson, who was a later round pick in the seventh round compared to fifth. But I thought that, you know, Saran Neal really had showed maturity and that I had to grow up and learn how to handle the sport as a professional. And I'm not saying necessarily the story is exactly alike, but I wonder how much Daryl Johnson has had to deal with going from being probably a star at his college to now being a, a fringe depth player that really doesn't see a lot of time as a pass rusher, really has had to find his role on special teams, which he does a great job of. And we talked about that in detail. Heath Farwell was so complimentary of him as well. I can't – now that I'm talking about special teams, Ryan, how did we not write about Tyler Medikavich? Mm. After this is over, I'm going into the observations, and I'm writing a bullet on Tyler Medikavich because he made – damn, did he make a play today. Let's talk about that for a second right, before we get back to this. About that. Yeah, he had an interception uh, against Mitch Trubisky in the offense, made a really good read on the play, uh, jumped the route. Actually, it was like holding – he was had one hand pretty much uh, still working on one of the offensive players, offensive linemen, and he was able to snag the ball with his off hand. So really athletic interception for the reserve linebacker. Uh, one of, Again, one of the Bills' best special teams players. So, yeah, great point in, in mentioning his name. Yeah, Matikiewicz has had such a great camp. He looks so refreshed and so, like I, – I feel like a lot of these guys, it's just like this this sense of, like, okay, I came to Buffalo last year. I was my first year, rookies and free agents alike. But it really wasn't the real experience. And now they're just, like, chomping the bit. They know how good they're going to be, um, you know, on paper. And mm-hmm. so the excitement level is there. Tyler Medikavich makes a big play today. And I think he wants to show that, listen, I know he probably knows he's pretty safe as a special teams ace. And the fact that, you know, he's really a four tool player there that they rely on in every um, area from the coverage teams to uh, the return teams. Like he's really relied upon by Heath Farwell. So he probably knows that roster spot's good, but he probably wants to solidify that backup depth middle linebacker position say, hey, if something happens to our guy who he called the the heartbeat of the defense, the leader of the defense, Tremaine Evans, I can come in here and 
and I can make plays on defense. Yeah, and you know he's almost just been waiting for the opportunity. And don't get me wrong, I think he'd be just as happy if he doesn't get the opportunity this year because that means Edmonds is healthy and, and he's getting the uh, all the reps that he he should be getting as the Bills' star of the defense or or you know the heart and soul as mentioned. But I think Medikevich is a player that would be ready if his number was called upon. He was someone that in his career in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, it looked like there'd be opportunities for him to come in and get those chances. And then they would sign someone else or someone else would kind of leapfrog over him on the depth chart. So I think he's just chomping at the bit in terms of waiting to get an opportunity to show what he can do on defense. Now, at the same time, similar situation in Buffalo where they have a young star player, first round pick in Edmonds that they really hope takes uh, his game to the next level this year. But I think, like you said, they're also pretty confident in what Tyler Medikevich can do if he has to come in. Daryl Johnson, um, back to him for a moment, like he's been a, like overshadowed, I think, at times by especially Greg Rousseau, but Boogie Basham has had some splash plays. Today, Daryl Johnson asserted himself in front of 18K inside this building. He had what I, I'd like to call two sacks. Like the second sack was, if he wanted to, if you were allowed to touch the quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky is in big trouble right now mm. because he went, he made a great move. I can't remember who it was against. It might've been Bobby Hart uh, who continues to be, uh, you know, unfortunately a turnstile uh, or maybe fortunately, depending on what, yeah. what uh, you know, angle you're looking at this from um, he struggled again uh, a bit today, but you know, I thought that Daryl Johnson had two reps where it was, it was on the second team and it was Saxon Mitchell Trubisky and he's just winning with his speed, his length, and just converting there has to be a confidence builder for him, but it's also sh making things difficult. And we can maybe transition this into some roster talk. I mean, we've, mm. we've really brought up this defensive line ad nauseum over the last couple of months because it's probably the most, you know, intriguing position group of how the Bills are going to like whittle this thing down. I really think that there is, you know, five defensive tackles that could seemingly make this roster. I mean, uh, I think Ed Oliver and Starr are locks. Then you got Harrison Phillips and Vernon Butler. And then you got Justin Zimmer, who's in the mix that I think, you know, a lot of people rightfully so think should be in the mix for that spot. And then you have upwards of seven defensive ends that, that you can make an argument for Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, the three youngsters and Boogie Rousseau and Apinesa, and then Obata, who's probably been the best of the bunch in camp. And then Daryl Johnson. It's going to be so tough for the bills to figure this out because if you're going to keep Let's just say, hypothetically, they're going to keep 10 defensive linemen. How are you going to break that down? Uh, you really, I don't think you can do five and five in this case because then some really good players are going to be let go, into, including in that case would be Daryl Johnson, and, and it would be F.A. Albada because you have the two veterans in Hughes and Addison. You have the two draft picks that you took in the first and second round this year, and then you obviously have Epineza's second-round pick last year. So I think they're going to go a little heavy on defensive end, whether that means adding six, whether it be F.A. Obata or Johnson. Johnson, like you said, uh, the second the second play that wasn't ruled a sack, it led to a Mitch Trubisky throwaway. He he did he threw his hands up like he he was stopping himself from going after Trubisky. So I think if he would have just put his hand on him, they would have called that a sack. It, it was deep in uh, their own end of the field. Even though it's a to safety if he had put his hand on him. But Johnson had a great day. FAL Bottas had a great camp and he flashed a few times today. So, how do you make this work? Uh, Jerry Hughes, I know he's not been out there much, but he was doing some individual work before practice. He looks like he's getting closer to returning. 
it's going to be a numbers game and it's going to be a really tough numbers game because even at defensive tackle, some of those names you mentioned last, look at Justin Zimmer. You know, he was called a glue guy just a few days ago and, and someone that's really important for this team, but where does he fit in? We know the athleticism. We know the talent. He, he helped the bills win that first game against the Patriots last year. He was running down the field against the Ravens in that playoff game. When Taron Johnson had the pick six, only Trey white was in front of him and Johnson for that matter. So we know about the crazy athleticism, but how does he fit into the puzzle? That's what's going to be difficult for the Bills to figure out. And the thing is, though, that the nice thing that I think the Bills probably have in their back pocket and how they're operating leading up to this thing is that a guy like Justin Zimmer, the reason that he was available to them. Now, he didn't have these big splash plays. He didn't have the opportunities. But there's a reason he didn't have the opportunities. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of teams are starving for undersized defensive tackles. It's just the, the, the world that we live in, most teams do not value that. You look at a guy like Vincent Taylor, who probably isn't as talented as Justin Zimmer, but is a guy that if he hits the open market, somebody's going to pick him up right away because he comes in and he brings size. And, and, and that's what I think a lot of teams want. Whereas the Bills, they're okay with an undersized defensive tackle if they, can, if they have strength, if they have the, the quickness and ability to win. So I think that having that and understanding that, I think you'll be fine. I, I'm really getting away from the idea. Like I, I thought about it for a few days there where they maybe they could take three defensive tackles because of the versatility of some of these other mm -hmm. ends. But I think if you get into a situation, somebody made a good point. I can't remember if it was that or somebody else we were talking about. And it, it, it made me think like you suffer an injury in, in one game and you, and you're left with two true defensive tackles. Yeah. You know, that's not something to me that sounds like a, a plan that Sean McDermott's going to sign off on. So I think you're going to land on four defensive tackles. I find it hard to believe that Harrison Phillips isn't going to be one of them. I think that Vernon Butler is probably the most in danger if he doesn't show up and have a great uh, preseason. But at the same time, and now with the if potential concussion here mm -hmm. today, we'll see how that happens. What happens there? He came off with about ten minutes to go. They're evaluating him for a head injury, uh, so we'll see how that plays out. If he uh, has to enter the concussion protocol. That could make things very interesting. The Bills can save a little bit of money. And I, I have this up here because I wanted to mention the fact that the updated version of SpotTrack.com shows us Mario Addison has been a guy that a lot of times people have just said, yeah, just cut him. He's going to make $8.1 million this year. There's an $8 million dead cap hit if the Bills cut him. So at this point, it would be just a complete wash where you'd have to eat that. Now it's a one-year contract left. So – in the end of the day, like if you think guys is thing you think about because unless there's somebody else that you're like looking to bring in or a position that you're looking to address, but Vernon Butler right now he's scheduled to make almost five and a half million, and you could save about two million if you cut him. And so if you if you're saying I can't stomach losing Justin Zimmer, we think Harrison Phillip can be the backup um, one technique, then we keep we keep Justin Zimmer and cut Vernon Butler. Yeah. And that makes sense. And like you said, it, it might be the last part of the decision looking at the cap space and, and looking at how much they can save, but $8 million in, in dead cap doesn't make much sense for the bills to, to part ways with Mario Addison, especially because he's trimmed down. He he's showing up at camp performing well. And he even said, you know, last year he was a little distracted after losing a, a family member. He, his focus seems to be on, he wants to mentor these young guys, so if, if that's a decision at the end of the day, it seems like Vernon Butler makes a lot more sense just because of the talent that they do have, the trust that they have in Harrison Phillips a few years removed from his injury, the trust that they have in Justin Zimmer to provide depth as well. 
We're cranking here, Ryan Talbot. It feels good to be in person with you, man. I mean, I wish we could do this more often. Uh, hopefully this season we'll get him up here for uh, a couple games. I think, I think we can get you up. I mean, we're doing some, some negotiating here live uh, uh, here, <laughs> but I think we can get you up here for a 1 o'clock game, Absolutely. get you on the road for 7 o'clock. I think that getting you in person here, you know, in the mix of it, uh, you were in the, the – the, what was your takeaway from that? That's a cool thing for fans to kind of think about. Like – People also ask me all the time, what, what's it like to cover the Bills? And I feel like if somebody were to come along with me for a day, it would be a lot like what you've experienced a couple mm -hmm. times for the first time, being in not only the stadium and seeing it up close, you've been to training camp practices before, but then afterwards going in and sitting in a Stefan Diggs press conference and a John Fleet. What's, what's your takeaways from that? You know, especially in mind the fact that you grew up a Bills fan. Yeah, you know, going into the, the press conferences after the practice, it gives you a unique opportunity to get to know the players on a, a more personal level, uh, get to know what they think of their teammates. So that that is a, a unique experience, getting to find out their thoughts on the day as well. Uh, you know, I thought the atmosphere here today was amazing, a practice, and there was 18,000 fans in the stands. I was here nice and early. I arrived a little bit before uh, 9 a.m., and by the time I was here, the seat – the players came out you could see how excited they were josh allen got a huge ovation obviously no shock there the defensive backs were all fired up as they came onto the field they were like that last unit to hit the field so you could see uh, just how much they were pumped up by the fans being here. And the fact that we're only talking about 18,000 fans making so much noise, bringing so much excitement, it's going to be rocking here at the first home game during the regular season. I'm so excited to see – I haven't been this excited for a preseason game my entire time on the beat because I feel like next week we'll really get a chance to sink our teeth into some of these battles and get some concrete, like, um, you know – data to take back to the lab and really evaluate, you know, start to put together our first, you know, uh, ideas of a 53 man roster projection. We're talking about this defensive line. I mean, you know, today was a very interesting thing that I thought that I'm shocked seeing where how far into training camp and we're, we were talking about out there, Tyrell Adams, Markel Lee to really, you know, heralded off season moves by Brandon, Brandon Bean because of the depth that it offers at linebacker. They're running on the third team right now, Ryan. And I think that I said going into this thing, Tyrell Dotson, I thought, had a bit of a, a leg up. This is his third year in this defense. That's a big thing. They talk about it. Matt Milano talks about it. Tremaine Edmonds talks about it. It's a complicated defense. And for guys coming in, even that have been in the league already, sometimes it's hard to pick this thing up in time. And I'm telling you right now, if you get to the end of this rope here and we're about four, three and a half weeks away from roster cutdown day, I mean – Tyrell Adams, Markel Lee, you know, they're up against the clock here. Yeah, they need to show out in the preseason. They need to make some big plays, uh, and they're going to get their opportunities. They might play an entire half, Matt, depending on how the Bills break this up, depending if the starters play even a series in some of these preseason games. So it's going to be really up to them to show that, listen, if you let me go, I'm going to get claimed elsewhere. Uh, I'm going to be a valuable piece, depth piece somewhere else. So – you're right. It's a little troubling to see some of these guys on the third team still at this point. Now, maybe it's a combination of the players are in ahead of them. Uh, the fact that, like you said, Dodson knows this playbook, knows the system. We were talking again to Feliciano today and 
uh, to Dawson Knox. And they were talking about the offense in terms of why they were humming along. And they said, it's because we know the playbook, but it works the same way for the defense. When they're going, when the defensive players are going against, going up against rookies, undrafted free agents, uh, and just free agents that have been brought in this year, they have a leg up because they have the experience in the system. They know what Leslie Frazier wants. They know what Sean McDermott wants. So that could loom large when it comes to these final linebacker spots, defensive line spots. It's going to be really interesting to see how it all shakes out. Got us for a few more minutes here, Bill's Mafia. Anything that you guys want us to cover, anything that you want us to talk about today, let us know. And uh, we will get into it because we'll, we'll be back on Monday, I believe, is our next scheduled show. They have uh, off day tomorrow. Practice resumes on Monday. Um, you know, a couple things for me here as we look, we look forward to next week. You know, I'm trying to scrape through the, uh, the position groups in my mind here and where I think the real fun ones lie. And I think you could also go to the offensive line. I think Forrest Lamp being out for a couple days puts him – uh, at least pegs him down a few places. Mm-hmm. Ike Bucker has been back. I've um, uh, we saw him out here working at times today. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to think. Did you see Ike Bucker out here today? I did. You did? Yeah. What were your impressions of him? I thought he performed pretty well. I thought that he, he looked uh, decent out there. Like you said, he's someone else that this coaching staff likes quite a bit. Uh, they, they, at one point early in his career, they lost him to the Kansas City Chiefs when when they waived him and he was picked up. And as soon as he became available again. They brought him back. They developed him. He has a lot of. He started a lot of games last year. So you're you're right. That's going to be an interesting battle. But I think that Ike Butker, the fact that he's back now from that COVID reserve list, uh, he's going to have a good chance to kind of show. Listen, I, maybe I don't get one of those starting jobs because we know Feliciano is performing well. We know Cody Ford has been performing mm-hmm. well. Uh, but I just think that you're going to get Butker claiming one of those spots. Lamp, it's the kind of the story of his career so far, Matt. He's had a lot of injuries. Yeah. He's missed a lot of time, and it's going to put him behind the eight ball here in Buffalo because he needed these reps. He needed this time on the field to show what he could do. So uh, I think you make a great point there. Mm. So I saw a comment in here, and I, and I want to get to that. I, I have a couple things here I want to get to. Uh, you said something interesting. Uh, we're going to get on the running backs in a second. Let's not get out of here before we do because th- there's two in particular that you wrote about that I want to talk about. But you said something also that you know Dawson Knox was talking about uh, you know, and, and Feliciano what install has been like this year for this offense. And it got me thinking like they had the entire playbook installed and they were ready to go by the fourth day of training camp. Can you imagine what this offense is going to look like against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one? I mean, there, you know, the one thing I will say is that you have, um, I lost my train of thought as I saw uh, that person almost fell. (laughs) <laughs> um that's cleaning out all the we're looking at the stadium right now like uh, and, and and folks are you know cleaning up obviously we have over 300 people watching on youtube i think or 300 overall let's see what we got on youtube because i just saw somebody announce the number 287 we're going until we hit 300 on youtube right? on, hit YouTube. that like button hit that subscribe button you know how it works uh we'll get in uh into some of uh some more stuff here but i i'm really just so curious to see what this is going to look like now with, you know, that continuity piece, they were still putting all these pieces together last year, Stefan Diggs, mm. getting him up to speed, getting him to kind of fall in, you know, uh, not fall in line, but like, you know, coexist with John Brown and Cole Beasley who had already established themselves in this offense the year before. 
there's so many, there's so much potential for this thing to be even greater than it was a year ago. Yeah, I agree completely. And we already mentioned this, that there was no Cole Beasley today. There was no Emmanuel Sanders today, and they were still moving the ball up and down the field. The expectation is obviously Beasley will be there in week one. You expect Emmanuel Sanders to be back from this injury that he's dealing with. So you're going to have just all this talent at your disposal if you're Josh Allen. And as long as that offensive line holds up and protects against a, a pretty solid Pittsburgh uh, Steelers defensive line and defense, then I think that they can move this ball around against Pittsburgh. The, once again, the stadium will, here will be loud. They'll try to, to continue their recent dominance over the Steelers back-to-back years, defeating them. Uh, so if, if what we've seen so far, Matt, continues here in camp, if there's still that all these players, if, if we get Sanders back for a few weeks and he can kind of get into the mold, I think this offense is going to be humming week one. Um, let's shift gears to the running backs before we get out of here. Um, Elliot, uh, Eisler over on YouTube, uh, welcome in. Uh, there was 303 on YouTube for a second. So we did hit our 303 number. Appreciate you guys so much. Smash that like button, uh, hit the subscribe. If this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, this is the Buffalo Bills on NY up YouTube channel, uh, host of the shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by our friends at tops friendly markets. You know, it was slow going for Devin Singletary and Zach Moss out there today. I thought that, you know, there was a couple sequences where they really did work ru- ru- the running game. And when Singletary and Moss were in there, they didn't have a lot of success. You wrote about it. Matt Breida, you know, the, we saw the speed from him today again. And we also saw the bruising, punishing running of Antonio Williams. Yeah. So, you know, Zach Moss had maybe one decent run. But, yeah, it, it was those reserves, the third and the fourth, run- fourth running backs that I thought really showed up today and played well. Brady used his speed around the outside for one run. He was uh, really good after the catch on a reception. And, and that's where we were talking, Matt. We've said, man, what could Matt Breda bring to this offense as a receiving back, catching the ball, using that speed? And we saw it today. He picked up almost 20 yards on a reception uh, when he was targeted. So that's the little things that we're looking for. That's those little missing pieces that we didn't see last year where they couldn't count on the running backs to – uh, accumulate big yards as receivers. So I really think that Brita has helped his case there. Antonio Williams, another guy, you know, the bills are going to try, I think everything in their power to keep a guy like that, but it's, it could just end up being a numbers game. He had a 20 plus yard run. He had a touchdown run today. He looked good. He looked strong and he did a really good job of uh, bouncing one or two runs out when he saw that there was an open lane somewhere. So I was really impressed with the way that he was running the ball today. Uh, I thought both of those backs performed well. But, again, how many backs can you keep? Can you keep Reggie Gilliam, who's your only fullback? Do you want to keep a fullback? Taiwan Jones, uh, running back in title, but basically they're solely for special teams. Does he make any sense there for this team? The Bills have so many tough decisions coming up. And, you know, that's why Brandon Bean and company, they, they, they get paid the big bucks. But I would not want to be them making mm-hmm. some of these last few decisions at the end of the day. Zach Moss had one really good run today. He got a nice block. He made a nice quick move. You got to remember, he's he's making his way back from a season any mm-hmm. injury. So I think you're looking for good days and for him to maybe build on that a little bit. But watching Antonio Williams today, and listen, most of his damage came against the third team. So I think the Perspective is also very important here. Man, sometimes I watch Antonio Williams run the rock, and like, even if it's against the third team, and I'm like, 
man, I kind of wish that's what I watched when I saw Zach Moss run the ball. And somebody made a comment in here is like, what's the big hype over Zach Moss? He hasn't done anything in this league yet. Well, I will say he has had a couple pretty good games in this league already. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that New England Patriots game, they might not win that game if not for yeah. him and his performance in that game. But, man, Antonio Williams is a guy that went in there. He had a very small window to make an impact. Six, I think it was, it ended up being, what, 10 carry, 10 touches, 10 carries in that game. I got to go back and look. Maybe 12 carries for 60-something yards, two touchdowns in the Miami game. That is unbelievable impact and it reminds me a lot of Jay Kumro last year everybody's talking about is this too much hype for Jay Kumro probably like we might get to week one and this will just have all been another you know training camp uh, uh hype train that never really had a chance to see the light of day that that has a chance to happen but I go back to last year he got six games where he was on the active roster he played some special teams and then he got one chance as a receiver again in the Denver game and he only got one throw one target and he had a touchdown. And to me, those guys that make those kinds of impact, you want to keep those guys around because I think that they're earning something. And I think at times last year, Zach Moss did leave a little bit to be desired. We learned that he was dealing with some injuries. You know, he had a, a, a couple different uh, ailments going on. And then the season ender, that's tough in your rookie year. And no offseason, like, you know, that's another big piece of that. But Antonio Williams didn't have that either. No, no, it's true. And, and you're right. There's something to be said about making the most of your opportunities when your name is called. Kumaro certainly did that, uh, like you mentioned in that Denver game and in all the special teams reps that he had. And, and then we're talking about Antonio Williams. You know, people have to remember that was a must-win game for the Dolphins. And and mind you, the Bills were up something. They, they put up 28 points, I want to say, in the first half. Uh, so they had a pretty comfortable lead in the second half. But when the Bills called off the, the starters, there was a window there for the Dolphins to get back in that game. But Antonio Williams did not let them. He ran the ball decisively. He caught the ball. He was scoring touchdowns. He waited for his opportunity, and he made the most of it. And like you said, there's something to that. There's something about being a gamer, someone who can step up when their number's called upon. So, uh, again, a a player that I would love to see the Bills keep on this roster, they can find a way. I I think that he he has a lot of potential, but at the same time, they spent third-round picks on Singletary and Moss. They bring in Brita. They have Taiwan Jones. It's just going to be a tough decision at the end of the day. Wow. What a show. What a day. This was, you know, exciting. Like I mentioned, having Ryan here and having 18,000 people in this building. I mean, we're talking about, you know, you add up both playoff games last year, last year, and you have to add 6,000 <laughs> to get to what we saw in here today. So it feels like we're getting back to normal. It's, it's awesome stuff. We are going to be live for you as promised every day after a training camp practice to bring you everything that we, that we saw that you couldn't and, and try to give you guys a glimpse into training camp, a weird one, which is, you know, really the, the, the most uninvolved training camp in Bill's history for fans. And, you know, it's a bummer for us. It was great to see you all today. Um, and then before you know it here, a couple of days, Ryan, we got ourselves a preseason game. We will be live after the show. I will be in Detroit or after the game, I will be in De- Detroit, Ryan, We'll be back here at home, and we will link up and bring you all of our thoughts from that game as well. So stay tuned. And we I told you a couple minutes ago, Top's Fresh Burger Bar with over 30 varieties of beef, turkey, chicken, plant-based, and gourmet blend burgers ready to grill. Top's Fresh Burger Bar has you smiling all summer long. From my man, Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We will see you on Monday, guys. Have a great weekend.